Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit, what can we say? Triune God. Our hearts are full. We have every reason to be gathered in Your presence to bow before You. You have done all things well this year. And in gratitude, we praise Your name. Now as we jangle our nerves and radically shift our thinking for a moment, may Holy, may Holy Scripture engage our minds Encourage our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. In the runaway international bestseller, The Road Less Traveled, you may remember that book, the late psychiatrist M. Scott Peck opens the book. Three words. Nobody's going to deny the veracity of these three words. Life is difficult. It's a stuff of human existence, our survival. It's difficult. Just a few days ago, I sat down with a man, his heart breaking over the immensity of what he is suffering right now. By the way, you don't have to be old to suffer. I looked into that crystalline pain of a young co-ed on this campus struggling to find divine courage in the midst of what she is going through. I tell you the truth. Life is difficult. We know it intuitively. And by the way, some of you haven't suffered yet. You've done all right. But trust me, the day will come. Before you exit this life, you will suffer. Can't avoid it. Cannot. So here's the question, how then, how then should we live in the midst of suffering? Our Bible word on this uh, Thanksgiving season weekend is entitled, The Gift. When every nerve shrieked with pain. Those of you watching on television, we're going to move to a study guide without any interruption. I'm not going to mention a word about it when we get to it. So that's the website you want. You see it on the screen right now. Go to our website, you'll get the same study guide, and we'll plunge into it. For our case study today, all right, Thanksgiving season, our case study today, we're going to examine a little five-foot, two-inch woman who lived a century ago. That's our case study. She has just boarded a sailing vessel preparing to leave the western shores of this nation. Her destination, a rugged, outback Nation, Australia. You got it. The leaders of the church that she serves in America have sent her on a mission to build up the work of Christ in that almost forsaken land at the time across the Pacific, halfway around the world. The truth is, however, she has been politely banished for a season. Prophets are not always the most popular people to have around, you understand? And she understands it. And so she goes with everything within her, resisting this assignment to leave her home and the comforts of her homeland at her age as a widow. 
But she must practice what she preached. Namely, submit to the counsel of the leadership, however mistaken and uninformed the leaders may be. So she goes. But little does she know on this day that she sails away from our shores that she is sailing straight into the vortex of the most intense physical suffering of her entire life. Just days after she lands near Melbourne, Australia, the suffering descends. And I want you to take note of her words as she describes what she went through. Put it on the screen for you. Ellen White writing, I made the long journey across the Pacific and attended the conference held in Melbourne. Just before the conference closed, I was stricken with a severe illness. For the next 11 months, I suffered from malarial fever and inflammatory rheumatism. Now, hit the pause button right there. So, Karen, my wife, is a nurse, and I go to her. I say, hey, listen, love, what's up with this uh, inflammatory rheumatism? She pulls down her big, thick medical dictionary. We look at it. Ah, go on Google when you can't find the answer you're looking for. Found it on Google. Here it is. Acute rheumatism. Inflammation of the joints attended with fever and attacking usually the larger joints which become swollen, hot, and extremely painful. All right, 11 months of that. Let's pick it back up. During this period, Ellen White wrote, I experienced the most terrible suffering of my whole life. This by a woman who at the age of nine, face struck by that angry classmate's stone. Intense suffering at the beginning, but no, 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 this was the worst. I was unable to lift my feet from the floor without suffering great pain. My right arm, now watch this, from the elbow down was the only part of my body that was free from pain. My hips, my spine were in constant pain. I could not lie on my cot for more than two hours at a time, though I had rubber cushions under me. I would drag myself to a similar bed to change my position. Physicians said I would never be able to walk again, and I had fears that my life was to be a perpetual conflict with suffering. End quote. How did that go? Life is difficult. Even for the friends of God. Or maybe we ought to say, especially for the friends of God. Eleven months of suffering. And what can we learn from this case study? How to suffer. How to suffer. I hold here in my hands, I'm really excited about this. I hold here in my hands an entrusted loan. All right? Key word, loan. For my friend Merlin Burt, who's the director of the Center for Adventist Research here at Andrews University. I emailed Merlin this last week. I said, hey Merlin. Any chance you would have Ellen White's diary entries during these 11 months of intense suffering? I'd love to see those. He shows up two hours later in my office, bearing this right here. He said, Dwight, I'm doing something I am not supposed to do. I'm going to let you use this. But listen to me carefully, boy. If anything happens to what I have loaned you, you will never be heard from again. <laughs> All right. I got the message, Merlin. He's down in Atlanta today. So he says, the associate director of the Center for Adventist Research will meet you immediately following second service and will remove from your hands this folder. I got it. All right. 
Well, I got the point. So anyway, here they are. I want to read a few diary entries. These are all written in Australia, those of you from down under. These are written at Preston, Victoria, Australia. Some of you will know where that is. I'm going to begin with uh, May 9. I'll just read a line or two here. Share this with you. The past night, okay, she's writing. Oh, by the way, this is not the original diary. The original diaries are, are in a vault somewhere outside the nation's capital. After she wrote, these were turned over to a secretary. She had a secretarial pool. They sat down with old typewriters. They use, some of you don't understand what this is, but they use what was called carbon paper. All the old timers are nodding their heads. By the way, we still put it at the bottom of the letter, CC. That means carbon copy, though we don't use carbon copies anymore. So these were all these. But she went back over. This was her practice, to go back over the typed entries and she would make corrections. And I'll show you one in just a moment. All right, so what's the date on this one? May 9. Okay, May 9. Listen. Onion skin paper here. The past night has been a very long one, and I am so restless that I long for the day. You ever have nights like that where you're just praying for day to come? I long for the day. I keep my mind as much as possible on the promises of God. I do not claim these promises because I deserve them, but because they are bestowed upon erring human beings as a free gift. I am comforted with the assurance that although constantly suffering pain, I am never forsaken. I put my trust in one who is too wise to err and too good to do me harm. He will restore me to health. I shall yet speak forth His praise in the congregation. I am determined not to encourage feelings of despondency and gloom. May 9. May 10. Oh, listen to this. I have had a rather singular night. That means unforgettable. Watch this. Sometime during the night, I woke to find myself lying stretched out on my back. My heart was beating only feebly. I felt as if my body were being crushed under a mass. I could hardly move any of my limbs. It almost feels, sounds like a heart attack. It's not. I didn't know where I was. I called my nurse, but she didn't hear me. After trying several times, I succeeded in moving my limbs, but my body seemed helpless. It was more than half an hour before I could understand that I was in bed and before I could use my mind or move my limbs freely. Then the thought came to me that the angels of the Lord had awakened me or else I should, not, I should soon have breathed my last. You university students do not understand this. Trust me, it'll come. The older you get, the more sensitive you are and in tune you are to this little ticker. And anything that feels abnormal, you are on red alert. What is happening now? That's what's going on there. I dared not try to sleep again. I'm not going back to sleep now. For my heart seemed to be very feeble in action. She's worried. Something's on. Something's up. All right, May 11th. I thank the Lord for the precious light of day. You're going to hear that a lot. The sleepless hours of the past night were very wearing, but I was not comfortless. I find consolation in presenting my case to Jesus. The grace of Christ strengthens me in my affliction. So since this is a case study, ladies and gentlemen, let's jot these down. Seven of them. I'm going to, I want to share with you now seven how to live through your own suffering principles. All right? Grab your study guide. It's tucked away in your Thanksgiving uh, bulletin today. Grab the study guide. We're not going to take time to get it to you. Grab your study guide. If you need one afterwards, you, you can ask for it. Let's jot these down. How to live through your own suffering. Here's the list. Number one, put it on the screen, please. In your suffering, look to Jesus. 
That's exactly what's just happened with these diary entries. In your suffering, some of you, by the way, listening on the radio right now, and by the, I, I need to say we're very delighted to have you who are from WAUS. We've made a special invitation to our WAUS uh, listeners. You're sitting by one today, perhaps. We've invited you to come and join us, and we're delighted to have you. We've got a special dinner for you right afterwards down those stairs behind me, and I'm looking forward to meeting you and greeting you then. But those of you watching on television, you know, listening on the radio, you know about suffering. Some of you are experiencing it right now. Number one, in your suffering, look to Jesus. All right, here comes number two, May 12. This is the very next day. The past night has been severe and trying. You're going to hear this again and again. But I am determined not to be discouraged. I will press my petitions to the throne of grace. I spend many of my sleepless hours in earnest prayer to God, and I know that He hears me and that He will not disappoint me. There it is, principle number two. Before I share that with you, let me put on the screen for you, and you have it in your study guide, a little excerpt from a letter she wrote back to the States describing what she's going through. Put it on the screen. In the long, weary hours of the night, all right? In the long, weary hours of the night, when sleep has been out of the question, I have devoted much time to prayer. And when every nerve seemed to be shrieking with pain, when if I considered myself, it seemed that I would go frantic. The peace of Christ has come into my heart in such measure that I have been filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. I know that Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. Some nights I have slept three hours, a few nights four hours, and much of the time only two. And yet in these long Australian nights in the darkness, all seems light about me, and I enjoy sweet communion with God. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, jot it down. Principle number two. There it is. In your suffering, talk to God. In your suffering, look to Jesus. In your suffering... Talk to God. Okay, here's May 13. We'll pick up another principle. May 13. Here we go. I cannot yet move my left arm without pain, but thankfulness is constantly welling up in my heart. Remember, the only part of our body without pain was from the elbow here to the writing hand, right arm. I can't move this arm yet, but thankfulness is constantly welling up in my heart. My head is perfectly clear and my memory undimmed. I have something I can be thankful for. Would you jot that down, please? Number three. Number three, in your suffering, give Him thanks. In your suffering, look to Jesus. In your suffering, talk to God. In your suffering, give Him thanks. May 14. The past night has been one of great tediousness. I was obliged to get up six times to change my position, for my back and limbs were full of pain. My neck was so painful that it distressed me to lie on the pillow. But the Lord is good, and He draws near to me as I lift up my heart in prayer to Him, beseeching Him for grace and for restoration to health. I have a longing desire to get well. And then she does. She does what the Scriptures say to do. You're suffering? Watch what the Scriptures say. Put it on the screen for you. This is, uh, this is James 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. But don't pray alone. Here it goes. Is anyone cheerful? Let, let him sing songs. Next. Is anyone among you sick? Let her call for the elders of the church and let them pray over her, anointing her with oil in the name of the Lord. Keep reading. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Jot it down, will you? Number four, in your suffering, ask for prayer. Some people are very private about their suffering. Oh, listen, I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. That's a big mistake. You should not be trying to suffer alone. What's the point of it? You get some little hero award for being private? No, no, no. Don't suffer alone. Ask others to join you. Ask others to join you in praying. Number four in your suffering, ask for prayer. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump up to uh, June 15 now. The night, <clears throat> the night has been long and trying. She says it over and over again. Those nights were, were, were tough. The night has been long and trying. I lay awake from half past ten till half past two. So full of nervous pain that I couldn't rest. But I will not repine. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Mm. In fact, you know, in, in, in uh, keeping with that invitation in James 5, watch this. She, she calls for the elders of the church. She calls for the pastors to come and pray for her. I got it right here. The, the trying, almost sleepless night is ended. Yesterday afternoon, Pastor Daniels and his wife, Pastor Tenney and his wife, and two men named Stockton and Smith came to our house at my request to pray that the Lord would heal me. We had a most earnest season of prayer, and we were all much blessed. I was relieved, and you can tell she's just wishing she could write, I was relieved but not restored. It'll come up again and again. Why have I not been healed? Some of you know what that's all about, don't you? I was relieved but not restored. I've now done all that I can to follow the Bible directions and I shall wait for the Lord to work believing that in His own good time He will heal me. You just keep praying. June 17. Here's another principle that emerges. Let me read this to you. All right. Careful as I turn these pages. June 17. Here it is. Is. All right. One more. Yeah. During the past night, I have slept but little. Almost like a broken record, isn't it? She's she's writing for you and me. This is her diary. The past night, I have slept but little. I tried to look to Jesus to place my, my hands, to place myself rather in the hands of the great physician. He has said, My grace is sufficient for thee. The grace of Christ leads men to speak right words under all circumstances. Bodily suffering is no excuse for unchristlike actions. That's something. You know, when I'm not feeling well, look out, Karen. Look out, everybody that I bump into, because you're going to hear about it. Bodily suffering tends to draw from us a really grouchy and gripey spirit, doesn't it? Isn't that something? Bodily suffering is no excuse, Dwight, for unchristlike words. But isn't that something? She, she says, he said, he has said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Let me show you where she got that. This is Paul's suffering. The great prophet and apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. He was receiving visions, all right? That's what prophets do. They receive visions. 
A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now watch this. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. This is it. Now I lay me down to sleep. And oh, by the way, heal me, God. Three of those prayers. Are you kidding? This is to the mat, facing the carpet with God. I'm begging you, heal me. Heal me of this. Three times. Three times I begged Him. And what did He say to me? My grace. That's what she wrote. She scribbled this into her diary. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul exclaims, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities, my sicknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Now, here's the principle. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? How does that work? Because when I am weak and I can't get myself through, I lean hard on God and He comes shining through because it isn't Dwight anymore. That's what's happening. My grace is sufficient for you. Would you jot that down, please? Principle number five. There are only seven of these. In your suffering, trust His grace. What do we write? In your, in your suffering, give Him thanks. In your suffering, ask for prayer. In your suffering, trust His grace. Now, let me share this one. This is, this is June 20. So I'll go a few pages up to June 20. I slept for the first part of the night. But during the latter part, I could not rest. I committed my case to the Lord and was comforted by the thought that I am a subject of His care. I do find peace and comfort in prayer, but I should look upon it as a great blessing from the Lord if I could pass from the hours of the night and sleep. You know what, God? It's really great to have some time to pray with you, but I would really rather sleep than pray. Being very candid. I mean, this sleep, this pray thing has gone on long enough now. How about some rest? That's what she's saying. When the next time you have a night and you're begging to go to sleep and you're as wide awake as you can possibly be, yeah, you know. Oh, I do find peace and comfort in prayer. But I should look upon it as a great blessing from the Lord if I could pass the hours of night and sleep. These words comfort and strengthen me. Be therefore renewed in the spirit of your mind. That begins a ser- in one diary entry a series of seven Biblical quotations. No references. She just quotes them. She's been memorizing Scripture. She scribbles them into her diary. That leads us to uh, principle number six. Would you jot this down, please? In your suffering, read His Word. She was saturated in the Word. She kept going back to the book, to the Bible, to the Bible, to the Bible. In your suffering, read His Word. All right. I want to read just uh, two more now. One, One last principle. But I'm going to go to June 30 to get this one and uh, read this to you. June 30. Ah, another night has nearly passed. Remember I told you the secretaries typed this up and then she went back over them and made little emendations? She did here. Another night has has nearly passed was what she originally wrote in her diary. Then she wrote, another night of great weariness. Scribbled in her handwriting, a great weariness has nearly passed. Although I continue to suffer much pain, I know that I am not forsaken by God. Later when she rereads it, she strikes out the, the name God and she writes, I know that I am not forsaken by my Savior. A very personal intensity in this suffering through which she journeys. My prayer is, help me, Jesus that I may not dishonor Thee with my lips. Let no unkind words be spoken by me. Wow. Here it comes. Here's the last entry that I'm going to read to you. This is July 15. 
The Lord has brought me through another night. I did not sleep well. The weather this winter. Remember, in July, it's winter in Australia. Summer here, but winter down there. The weather this winter has not been unpleasant, but the air is very penetrating. And I cannot manage to keep comfortably warm in these high rooms, apparently high ceilings, with only a great fire, a little fire in the grate. I have had two severe chills, and this has greatly increased the lameness in my shoulders and hips. But not, now listen, but notwithstanding this, I was able to spend most of yesterday writing on the life of Christ. Now, may I, may I hit the pause button right here and, and, and this little uh, interjection. One of the profound gifts of God through Ellen White as a result of this intense season of suffering was the eventual completion of her magnum opus entitled The Desire of Ages. The greatest book, bar none, that I have read on the life of Jesus. And George Barna, when he surveys his clergy, the Christian demographer, discovers that 40 and under clergy list Ellen White as one, all denominations, by the way, 40 and under clergy list Ellen White as one of the authors they turn to. Amazing. And I know it's the book Desire of Ages. Classic. Next time you and I are together, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get that book. So here she is, intense suffering. But could it be that through her own pain, the divine suffering and passion of her Lord was, was refracted? Could it be that Desire of Ages has become the inspirational classic that, is ha- that it has because of this season of suffering in the life of the author? One wonders. So, she writes here, but notwithstanding this, my suffering, I was able to spend most of yesterday writing on the life of Christ. Now, listen to this. And it, this is principle number seven. I praise the Lord because I feel a nearness to my Savior. My faith feeds on the rich promises of God, which are full of comfort and hope. And then she starts singing. How do we know she starts singing? Because with her pen, it's all fountain pens back then, with her pen, she starts writing the words of Charles Wesley. Remember, she grew up in the Methodist church. Charles Wesley, the beloved hymn writer. She starts writing. You can see that pen scratching across the parchment. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. While the billows near me roll, while the tempest still is high, hide me, O my Savior, hide, till the storm of life is past, safe into the haven guide. Oh, receive my soul at last. You know, when I learn a hymn, I'll get the first stanza. Everything else is gone. I don't know any other stanzas. She breaks out into the second stanza. She keeps writing, Other refuge have I none. Hangs my helpless soul on Thee. Leave, oh, leave me not alone. Still support and comfort me. All my trust on Thee is stayed. All my help from Thee I bring. Cover my defenseless head with the shadow of Thy wing. The memorized words of Charles Wesley entered into her diary. There it is, principle number seven. Jot it down. In your suffering, sing His praise. Sing His praise. Start singing. When you're feeling the worst, start singing. And see if the Spirit of Christ does not begin to leave. Leave you higher than the pain that has been your focus. But interestingly, as as soon as she's finished singing this hymn into her diary, she pens this line. I'll put it on the screen for you. My whole being longs after the Lord. I am not content to be satisfied with occasional flashes of light. I must have more. 
My whole being longs after the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it was a time ago or two that you and I noted Jesus' principle, by their fruits, you'll know. By their fruits, you will know. How should I suffer? How did she put it? My whole being longs after the Lord. I must have more. That's how you suffer through your suffering. You do it with Jesus.